but uh, I, I want to come today and as we end our series here with adjusting our sights, there's so many things that, that we could touch on, that we could elaborate on, but the reality is, 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 is you'll have that chance to go back and to listen to it again, um, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's through via our podcast. Um, and, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because if I do, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to be re-preaching our past three Sunday's messages. Uh, but I do want to take us to our flagship scripture that we've been that we've used to host this series for the past. Uh, this is week number four now. And so we'll be ending our series and next week we'll have us a guest pastor to come in and to speak and to uh, bring us God's heart and it gives me an opportunity to be fed as well. But we're going to go back to our flagship scripture for this series and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 9. And it reads this, it says, So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. You know, and we've, we've used in, in earlier in this series, we've used it as it, it is our aim to please Him. And oftentimes, if our aim is not right, if our, if our target's not right, if our goal's not right, then we need to make sure that, that we're adjusting uh, these areas in our life. And I know there's been some challenging word that's come forth the past couple of weeks, but let's just be real. If the Word of God is not challenging us, then we're comfortable in staying where we are. God has never called us to be comfortable. You know, we saw that in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, when Jesus approached Peter, James, and John, the three that went even further than the other 12 had went, or the other nine disciples, well, Judas wasn't there, so the other eight disciples, so, and they went a little further with Jesus, and Jesus still came to them after he was praying, and he said, could you not watch and pray with me for an hour? And so what Jesus is wants when he wants us, he wants us, he wants it to be inconvenient for us. And when it becomes inconvenient for us, it becomes more for him. Uh, and I don't want to get off into that here today. So I'm just going to touch on my notes here for, for just a minute. So as we bring a close to this series, we are still frequenting the same principles that we always have. The same thing that we've been talking about about for the past year or even throughout this year that all of these teachings and sermon series are coming from the standpoint of pleasing God because that's that is our goal you know he created us for fellowship as we spoke about in the last series but in this fellowship it, it, it is our goal and, and in everything that we do and everything that we say the way that we carry ourselves is 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 that we want to be pleasing to him and to please God is not in how much we can do for him or how many lives we impact but the basis is that we will always uh, be about the life we live unto him so so what pleases God is not about how many lives we impact because I'm not, I'm not, maybe I'm not called to be a Billy Graham, but maybe I'm called to touch the two or three when, 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 when Billy Graham was called to touch the multitude. And, 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 and so, so, so it doesn't matter how many lives we've been called to affect. The, 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 the thing about that 
is how have we walked in this life? Have we walked in the obedience that God has called us to? So, so the basis that, that we get this statement from, uh, from God's Word is that He spoke this over His Son to, for, for so many people to see in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. It says this, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom... I am well pleased. And at, at this point in Jesus' life, at this point, Jesus had not preached one sermon. Jesus had not, uh, 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 he had not healed anybody of leprosy. He had not opened any blinded eyes. He had not opened up any deaf ears. He did not cause any mute person to begin to speak to, uh, to speak again. So it wasn't. It isn't the reference of our calling. It isn't the reference of of, of, of all of that. The reference is, is have we walked in obedience? And, and so that is the challenge that we're going to be hearing here today is that walking in obedience, a walking in obedience. So so as we read that scripture, Jesus had not done one act of ministry. He didn't even have no disciples at this time. So, 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 so God's pleasure with him was not based off of all these things that we consider as ministry, as we consider as being a calling. What God was pleased with was His obedience. And I'll say that again. So, so how do you know that, Pastor James? How do you know that? Okay, well then, let's go back to a couple previous verses. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. And it says this. It says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, watch this. It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. So we can we can look here, uh, and I did not start my timer, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a couple minutes off of that and uh, get this get this going and get this ball rolling because the spirit's already moving. So so what we see here was Jesus was doing what Jesus was doing operating and what he was called to do and his first calling was to be obedient to do what God's heart had called him to do so and a lot of people will get confused well you know to be baptized means to wash away your sins but Jesus didn't have no sin he had no sin so it was it wasn't about being washed away of the sin it was about carrying out a commandment that God had given us so so that is an important part of because baptism is just a public confession baptism i'm gonna say this again baptism is a public confession of your obedience to god of your obedience to god so we see here that obedience is the agent of change uh, and that produces a radical shifting in the way we think and act. When, when we walk in obedience to what God has called us to do, then that is an agent of change. That's what caused that change to happen there. Obedience produces what a sacrifice cannot. Because we remember we go back to the book of 1 Samuel. He said that obedience is what? Is better than a sacrifice. So, so the obedience part about this, the obedience, it, it, it produces so much more than what a sacrifice can do. So, 
So, um, so our willingness and our obedience is our sign of surrender to God's Word. Our willingness and obedience places at the authoring of truth. Because why is that? Because God's Word is the truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the lie. And, and no man comes to the Father except through me. So it, Jesus is the truth. So when we walk in obedience, we're coming back to the very authoring of what the, the Scripture is. So it is the acceptance of His ways being above our ways, His thoughts being above our thoughts, His authority being absolute. It is the acceptance of the I am that I am. So, so when we walk in obedience, when we walk how God has called us to walk, when we walk in everything that God has called us to do, it is that that's that sign of surrender. It's that sign of surrender. So we we don't we don't care what people think about us. We don't care how people may perceive us. We have walked into what God has called us to do. So let me venture into Romans chapter twelve here in verses one and two. Uh, a very familiar scripture that so many people are familiar with, but I want us to point out something here. We're, we are going here in a little bit. You know, oftentimes on Sundays, we always have a song that references about God's holiness because we, we, can, we can never take that away. When we begin to focus, when we begin to meditate, when, when we begin to move in and to usher into His presence, we are coming into His holiness. We are representing His his holiness here and we're going to begin to see that this is that part of being obedience is walking in holiness I'm, I'm getting somewhere here follow me here for a second Romans chapter 2 verses 1 through 2 and it says so dear brothers and sisters so who's he talking to he, he's talking to the church he's talking to me and you he's talking to people that are believers, those that are, are of the faith. He is speaking to those individuals. He didn't say, hey, dear sinners. He didn't say, dear sinners. Let's just be real here. So, so, so much of what's being addressed to us in Scripture is about us moving more into God. But when He addresses the sinners, there's only one thing to say. is repent and turn to God. That's the only thing that you can say to a sinner. You can't give them words of knowledge. You can't give them prophetic word because they're not able to receive uh, that very prophecy, the very word, because that word cannot become for them unless they first repent and turn to God. And then that word becomes for them or comes for them. So He said, I plead with you. What is plead? mean I beg I beg of you I urge you and so so many times when we're looking in the scripture we've really 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 got to look into these words we've, we've got to understand you know I sat down I sat down earlier this week and um, and it took me it took me three nights to read one chapter because I can't I can't just I can't just read as in it's just a book what i'm reading is god i want to hear your heart on this I, I want to see what you're showing me here i want i want to see what you were speaking to the people that were right here that that were right here or that was right here that was sitting around you that was occupying you those that were in your presence i i, I want to get this very same thing so he says i plead with you get back to my scripture he said i plead with you to give your bodies what is what does it mean to give a sacrifice 
It is a sacrifice. If I'm, I'm giving you something, that I'm giving something that belongs to me, and I'm giving it to you. If I give you this bottle of water, if it wasn't open, you'd be like, oh, thank you for the water. You probably would still drink because she's my mother-in-law. But the reality is, is when, I, when you give somebody something, it is a gift. So I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because why? Because of all He has done for you. Can we begin to really think? Can we really begin to fathom all? I mean, like, all that He's done for us. So many things that we take for granted. We take for granted that, that we have each and every single breath. Oftentimes we may say, Lord, I thank you that you woke me up this morning. I thank you that you put breath in my lungs. I thank you that you clothed me in my right mind. I thank you for health and strength in my body. Even sometimes when I get... Uh, I say when I get up, but sometimes when I roll out of the bed, and I'm still young, but I'm I'm not a spring chicken no more. So I can imagine how some of our older people may feel when you know they are crawling or rolling out of the bed. Ain't that right, Becky? <laughs> My wife says I can't call her out like that, but I am older than her, by the way. So, but he says he's, he but he says this. He said because of all he has done for you, let them be. What is to let them be? Let your bodies be. Let your bodies be a living. What does it mean to be living? It means to be dwelling in. To be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind what? The kind that he finds acceptable. So when he finds something acceptable, then what does that mean? It's pleasing to him. When 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 uh, uh just kind of an example i'm just trying to trying to think out the box here for a moment uh when somebody gives me something that's acceptable you know i i accept your bottle of water because why it's going to be pleasing to me and maybe that's not a super perfect example because this is really the most perfect example that we could really present here is that the kind that he will find acceptable so if we could look into the word acceptable it is also carrying the same token or carrying the same meaning about being pleasing so 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 when we get back to this is this is another thing that pleases God is living a being a living and a holy sacrifice so so we'll transition and begin to look into holiness here just a little bit more because living in a holy lifestyle living holy because he said he said be holy because I'm holy and and we look at that man that's a tall glass of water that's that's something big that I have to sip on that I have to drink and 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 you I don't drink while I eat so usually by the time I get to my beverage I usually don't finish my beverage at the end of my meal uh, in most cases because I've already gotten full off the food and I didn't want to get full off the beverage but but we're going to continue into this and, and we're going to try to break this down as much as we can here today. Uh, and he continues on in the, the second part of verse 1. He said, this is truly, this is truly, did he say this is, this is the false way to worship him? He said, truly, this is the way to worship him. This is the, truly the way to worship him. So, so 
so you know, did we not sing another song earlier? You know, talking about to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live. To worship you. And no, I'm not going to sing that for you. I'm still taking singing lessons for those that may be wondering. Wah, wah, wah. But he said, but this is truly the way to worship him. This is, this is worship. This is what worship is, is your lifestyle. It is the way that you live. So many times we have made worship a slow song. Worship a slow song. Now don't get me wrong, that is worship. But true worship is our lifestyle. It is the way that we live. It's transforming from, from one way to another. And so, so, baby, can you get him? Never mind, he's laying down. I, I do apologize for that. So, and then in verse 2, here's verse 2 because this is a continuation of what worship is. A continuation is don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. So, so what are the behaviors and the customs of this world? It, sinful lifestyle, sinful living. When, when we've not been transformed, when we've not moved into the more, and, and we're still stuck with the customs and the ways and behaviors of this world, then we're not living true worship. We're not living true worship before God. Now follow me here, and he, then he's put a comma here, and he said, but let God transform you into a new person by what? Changing. 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 Here we go. Here's this agent of change. The agent of change is, is letting God do this. Let, let God do this. He, he didn't say, and you do this. He said, let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, then, so, so now after this begins to take place, it means what? Okay, so now then something else can happen. So it's, this is kind of what a chain reaction. And we're going to get in our next series is going to be called The Process. Uh, and I'm super pumped about that one. God gave me that one like right when I started this one. So I haven't really looked into it, but I'm super pumped about that because uh, there's a process here. He says, so then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and what? Oh man, here, here we go again. We're, we're hitting this word pleasing. So, so it pleases God because if we're saying this is our aim to please Him, then this is what has to happen is we've got to change our stinking thinking. That could be a sign somewhere, couldn't it? Baby, can we make one of those and put that in the bathroom? <laughs> She's already got her own. Maybe when we get into the church, we can have a nice little sign up there that says, Change Your Stinking Thinking. Uh, it kind of gives somebody a little laugh while they're using the bathroom. <laughs> Anyways, long story short, uh, or short story long, which is kind of what I just made that. He said, but, but, but this is what pleases God. And if this is our aim, our aim, our aim is to go all the way back and to do what? Be a living and a holy sacrifice. The kind that he will find acceptable. So, so we see two tokens here that are the same thing, but they lead to us being acceptable or being pleasing to God. 
Excuse me for just a moment. The lives that we live before God is the manifestation of our conscience efforts to please Him. I, I didn't create a slide on that one, but I want you to hear me on this. The lives that we live before God is the manifestation of our conscience efforts to please Him. So, so what really happens here is when we get in a car and we're riding down the road and we're all alone, nobody else is seeing what we're doing but God, right? When we're sitting at home at the kitchen table all by ourselves, nobody else is there, but God knows everything that we're thinking. There, there's nothing that we can hide from God. And when we catch that vision, when we catch that revelation, when we catch uh, or we have that epiphany, I guess if we could say it in that word, then, then we realize that nothing's hidden before God. God sees everything. God sees in our heart and He knows what's in there. So, so some people when they say, well, you know, well, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. He absolutely knows your heart because it's manifested by the way that you live. And that's when people are there or when people aren't there. I've used the example before. If I go work out of town or if I go out of town or I get out of the presence of my wife for X amount of time and if I get out of town or do something or get to the... Uh, get to the uh, a, a, a restaurant or whatever and the waitress is coming I take my ring off and put it in my pocket well okay well nobody there may know that I'm really married but guess who does know God knows God knows and so so I can't hide that from God and he sees every bit of that I may be speaking to somebody that may be viewing us right now but the reality is is that's where so many not just men but that's where so many women are today that's where so many people that want to be children of God is they're trying to live a lifestyle outside of what God has called them to live so a life that is sacrificial and dedicated to his purpose is what he's called us to. Paul said a living and a holy sacrifice. So, so what does holy mean? What does holy mean? What does holy mean? So here, here we're going to go. We always know that we always have us a Greek word every week, right? And, it, and the definition is just always so brought out and talked about because we're talking about living a holy lifestyle and that's what pleases God. So the Greek word for holy is hagios. I didn't even have to hit the pronunciation button on this one. I've heard this one before, so I knew that this is what it means. But the, uh, the, the Greek word for, for holy is hagios, meaning, listen to this, any matter of religious awe, uh, expiation, sacrifice, holy is to be set apart, sanctified, consecrated, and a saint. If we if we just stop there and we just begin to think about this, you know the, the term the term Christian is only used a few times through Scripture, but the reality is is you'll see the word saint in Scripture so many 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 times. Now, I, I don't have the statistics for you on that, but I I would say hey go do your homework and look up the word saint, and you'll find that word so many more times than you'll find the word Christian. So so and, and you know and this is what God has called us to live as a holy lifestyle. He's called us to be saints. So as we continue on this. 
it has a common root meaning of chaste or pure. So the common, the common uh, commonality of, of this root word for chaste, chaste means to do what? To be sexually pure. To be sexually pure. And so, so when we begin to think about sexually pure, now let's begin to think about this in a spiritually sexual way. Because oftentimes we've used the word to know means a sexual type of spiritual type of terminology here. So 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 when we keep ourselves pure, our intimacy for God when we keep our intimacy for God when we don't share it with the world when when we don't share it with with friends that we used to hang out with when we don't share with people that we know we shouldn't be hanging out with when we don't share with with the lifestyle of this world because we go back to what that Romans 12 1 and 2 be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that means we've got to have a change of perspective we uh, our the change position will change our perspective and and I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself but I want to continue here with this but it means to be chaste it's the root word of to be chaste or to be pure its fundamental idea is separation which we've looked at that it means to be set apart to to be if I separate something that means I have removed it it has been removed. So when so so if we learn that what God has called us to, if God's called us to holiness, if He's called us to a sacrificial life, then He's called us to be separated from, to be to come out amongst the world. He said, You are in the world, but you're what? You're not of the world. So so oftentimes we get confused because we're we're so entangled and in so much of what the church is doing I, I'm just going to be real honest and prophetic here to you today is that so oftentimes the church has become entangled with the ways and the customs of this world as well and so so that's why God has given me the challenge. That's why God has given me the charge that we are not to be your every Sunday church. We are not just a place that you're going to come and sing three worship songs and you might feel the presence of God and then you're going to get a little bit of happy, feel-good message and then you're going to leave and, and you're not going to receive no conviction whatsoever. But the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit will bring conviction of our sins. So if we're living a sinful lifestyle, ladies and gentlemen, when the truth of God's Word is preached here, it brings conviction. Matter of fact, it's instant conviction. It lets us know. Let, let me get back to my word, uh, hagios, here. So its fundamental idea is separation, consecration, devotion to the service of deity, sharing in God's purity and abstaining from earth's defilement. Now, I, I can't make these words up. I, I copied and pasted this from a dictionary that this is what this word hagios means, or hagios means that this isn't my typing. This isn't what I came up with. So holy is often conjunctional as pure, clean, ceremonially or morally clean, including the ideas of deserved respect and reverence. 
there's so many things that the word holy represents. There's so many, and this is again. Now we go back to this is what pleases God. I want to make sure that I'm driving this nail home here today. That excuse me is that holiness please God. This is what pleases Him. This is what He's called us to. Excuse me again. So notice the reference of being in awe of God. And I ain't talking about, oh, oh, so cute. I'm talking about reverential, reverential respect, reverential honor. How could, how could this ever be misrepresented? How could, how could we ever, ever misrepresent the all of God? How could we ever misrepresent the fear of the Lord. I'm going to tell you why. Because oftentimes a misrepresentation is from a misunderstanding. Sometimes and I know I'm not a I'm not a scholar by no means and I know sometimes I may say big words on Sundays. But oftentimes I will at least try to say what that word means because I don't want to misrepresent that word. I don't want you to have an idea of what the word means. I want you to know what the word means. It's just like when we go back to this Greek word hegias, I want you to know what that means. I want you to know this part, this character, this this whole understanding of what God has called us to, to the all that He has is what pleases Him. So oftentimes a misrepresentation is from a misunderstanding. The lack of this revelation, the lack of this revelation, the lack of this revelation of the all of God will leave us subject to a vicarious life that is not pleasing to Him. So God's desire is that this revelation means to render which here's what revelation means it means to render what is unknown to become known so 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 God's desire for what is unknown that he wants to make known to us that he wants it to be known by everyone he 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 doesn't want to just he doesn't want to just share it with me and not share it with you he don't want to just share it with you and not share it with other individuals he he wants all of us to receive that so what good is it to communicate what is unknown if there's no understanding? You know, I said something earlier in this series, you know, and I had a young man, he asked me, he's like, well, what was that that you said about inspiration and revelation? And, and I haven't went back and listened uh, to my podcast or listened to the messages in, in reference to that. But here's what I do want to point something out. This is something that the Lord highlighted to me yesterday while I was reading. You know, is that so oftentimes we get inspiration from a magazine that we may read. We may even get uh, inspiration from reading a coach's manual. We may get inspiration from uh, watching somebody on TV that just may be, it may be motivational. But see, there's a separation between inspiration and revelation. And, and, and I want to point that out to you here today is that inspiration makes you want to change. Inspiration makes you want to change. But revelation will cause you to change. 
Such a difference there. Inspiration or motivation makes you want to change, but revelation causes you to change. You see, when Peter caught the revelation that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, he moved into a new realm of what God had called him to. Now, did he face even more trials? He absolutely did, but it's a part of the process. So, so I want to make sure that what we're not getting here today is I'm never coming to inspire people. There's people that may be inspired by what I preach or some of the things that I say, but I'm not here to inspire nobody because that inspiration makes you want to change, but revelation will cause you to change. So we continue in Scripture to unfold uh, as it unfolds here in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. Read along with me. He says, he says this to the, to the church of Col to the Colossians. He said, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete understand, uh, I'm sorry, to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then, the way you live. So let's just stop there. So again, we, we remember that now this is, becomes a second part. This becomes the second part of what needs to be done here. That you would get complete knowledge and, and that you would have spiritualism and understanding. He said, then you will, the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. If we can get a hold of this right here. If we can get a hold of this knowledge, because we, you remember when we talked about that not that that uh, that the word hagios also represents a respect and a reverence. It is the all of God. It is the fear of God. So when we get here, we start talking about knowledge. Uh, I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but let me finish reading my scripture here. He said that you will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Is this not a process? Is this not a process? But this process has to start somewhere. And so oftentimes, you know, we despise small beginnings because we want this to be big. We want this to be large. And sometimes our ego gets in the way and we want people to see what we are doing. But the reality, you know, is as I was in prayer just the other week, you know, the Lord spoke to me. He spoke to me so bluntly, but He spoke to me so lovingly. As he said, he didn't even call me son this time. He said, James, none of this is about you. None of what I've called you to do is about you. And it causes me to become humble. So, so I go back and, and the very thing that Pastor Bruce uh, spoke about or, or preached on in, in my ordination service was that he looked at me and he said, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise starting out small. Don't despise it because it's got to start somewhere, right? And a seed is never its full-grown size. But the reality is, is that a seed has everything that the mother plant has in it. It has, it has all of the capabilities. You know, when you had your daughters, mom, they had every capability. There was nothing that needed to develop in them. All of that was there for them to do what to be able to reproduce. 
So ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling us everything that we need to reproduce in God has already been placed inside of us. We just got to allow the process to take place. And I don't want to get too much on to, on to our next series here. But Lord, that's some good preaching. So as we continue to refer in Scripture with the emphasis of knowledge, that it is in fact what is communicated, but revealed of what is communicated. So it's not the part that is communicated because it has to be spoken, right? But the question is, is, is did you hear what I said? Not, not were you listening, but did you hear me? You know, it, so oftentimes I remember this as my kids growing up, and maybe mom, you remember this. You say something to your kids, and they were listening, but they really didn't hear what you had to say because when they go back now, repeat what I just said. Um, you, uh, you uh, see, you 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 were listening, but you didn't hear what I said. And how often, how often are we sitting here on Sundays? How often are we sitting in our Bibles throughout the week? And I pray that everybody here, or those that are viewing us online, I pray that you're reading your Bible. But the question that I have for you is: is are you hearing what He says? He said, because he that has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. He said, let him hear. He didn't say, let him listen. Let him hear. So I want to make sure that we're knowing the difference between listening and hearing. He didn't call us to listen. He called us to hear. And then once we've just, once we hear it, then we become what James said. He said, now be doers of the word and not hearers only. So once, we, once our kids understood what we were telling them to do, so now they got the knowledge and now we give them the wisdom and the understanding to do what we've called them to do. So this is why Paul said wisdom and understanding will add to the knowledge. It adds to a knowledge. And within this revealing, we then in fellowship or in mutual movement with what pleases the Lord. In this knowing and understanding, it makes ways for God's heart to become our own. When, when we allow ourselves to move further into God, we begin, we begin to get that revealing. We begin to get that knowledge. We begin to get that understanding of what God's heart is. You know, a mom, you've been married for 40 some years, and, and sorry if I'm not, I can't quote the exact uh, time frame, but me and Becky's been married for 25 years, so you've been married for a lot longer than that then. But the reality is, is this, is how do you get to know your husband? How do you get to know your spouse? How do you get to know the most inter parts of them? as you spend quality time with them. You become, intimacy is not just being sexual. Intimacy, if I had a chair right now, make sure when we get in the building, make sure that I have a chair so that I can use it as my prop. But you just sit down next to them and you just socialize with them and you get to know them. You get to know every part about them, even the parts that we don't like sometimes. And sometimes there's parts that we might not like about God, but the reality is, is God's never done anything that causes harm to come our way. Never, never does He cause harm to come our way. He will never do anything to cause us to be harmed. Did, did we ever tell our kids, hey, why don't you run out there in the road and play in the traffic while it's coming? Why would we not tell them that? Because our heart for them was not for them to be harmed. 
and sometimes sometimes our kids don't understand and I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen sometimes we don't understand when God tells us not to do something or to do something we don't understand that it's for our own good but it's what he's called us to and he said for unto this you have been called so we must again highlight on how knowledge is first gained so what type of knowledge is, is he talking about gaining here Turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of what? True knowledge. True knowledge. True knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Go with me to the next scripture, Proverbs chapter 2, verses, I'm sorry, chapter 9, verses 10. And it says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So the type of knowledge that God has called us to, the, the kind of knowledge that God has called us first to, is the knowledge of Him. And the only way to unlock that door is to what? Have fear of the Lord. Have fear of the Lord. So remember, so now I want to take this mind back because we're beginning to put this puzzle together here today. It was that as we live a holy lifestyle, this is what's pleasing unto him so when we go back to the word or the the greek word hagios that holy also represents a reverential it is an awe of god it is a fear of god and so so the only way to have that knowledge is to be holy again we go back to be ye holy for i am holy so we can clearly see that without the fear of the Lord, there is no knowledge or communication of God's mystery being made known to us. There's, there's no way that we're going to catch that revelation. So we go back to what I said, that inspiration makes you want to change and revelation will cause you to change. So the reality here is you're not going to, if you don't have a fear of God and you are not going to catch that revelation, you're just going to be inspired to want to change. And I've watched people come in and out of here. I, I, there's been times in my life as well that I've just been inspired and it never produced a change. It made me want to change. It made me want to say, hey, you're, you know, you're right. I do need to read my Bible. You know you're all right. I, I, I do need to be praying for my pastor. You know you're all right. Maybe I should go apologize to that person. But the thing is, is were you inspired because you, you knew that it was the right, or that you felt like it was the right thing to do? But did you catch the revelation of God's heart about the manner? about apologizing to someone that may have wronged you. I, the Lord has sent me to two people in the past couple months for me to apologize to them for something that I've done many, many, many years ago. Or even in an incident where I don't even know what I've done, but what did I do? I had to go, I had to go and make things right. Because He told us in Scripture, He says, if you know that your brother has an ought with you, if you know that they have a conflict with you, he said, before you bring your sacrifice, he says, first go make it right. Go make it right. And that means you've got to swallow a lot of pride. That means you have to be willing to admit, hey, 
I have some fault in this area. How many of us have a problem with admitting to our faults? You know, and so, and, and I'm not asking us to raise our hands here today, but to see the reality is, is God knows. God knows our heart when we're alone and we're, when we're with people. God knows. He knows our faults. And, and I need to, I'm starting to run out of time here a little bit. But that's okay. I'm glad nobody's got nowhere to go today. So, so uh, this, this is the way of living in holiness or the fear of the Lord is key or foundational to understanding what will and is pleasing unto God. This is the only way, ladies and gentlemen. This is the only way that we're going to know. This is the way that we're going to know and how we're going to absolutely be pleasing God is to walk in a reverential fear. And, I, and, and it was never my intention to come today or, or through this series to talk about the fear of the Lord. But it's just the reality is that this must be a fundamental. It must be. So we must have this radical change in the way we think. We must change our position. Moving our position changes our perspective. I know I said that earlier standing right here. Uh, sometimes I have a very vivid uh, memory. But, but it is so true. So, so what I want to do is I want to cast a picture here for you that will give us uh, this imagination to be visually seen. Let's go to our next slide. Hopefully it's there, baby. Maybe you skipped one? Okay. So uh, some of you that aren't here, you don't know, this is my curtains in the dining room. And when you begin to look at this, can you see the fullness? Of, I'm assuming this is a pineapple. I have no idea what my wife bought. But you know what my wife buys? I like because I like my wife a lot. But this is, you can see the fullness of what this is. But as we get over here, what do you see? It doesn't look the same, does it? No. It doesn't look the same, but see, the reality is, is I was, this is one viewpoint. Now give us our next viewpoint, baby. What do you see now? Do, do we see the uniformity here? Do we see the pattern that's taking place here. But see what happened here was I had to move positions to be able to see the fullness. And, and I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to move from where we are in God to see the fullness of what God wants to show us. And we're not going to see it from every position, but when we're in the right place, we're going to see everything that God has for us. So we've got to move our position. I'm speaking to somebody here today. I'm speaking to somebody online. I'm speaking to somebody that's listening to us via podcast. You've got to change your position to hear and to see everything that God has for you. And that means you have to move from certain friends. That means that you might have to move from certain churches. That means that you might have to change your job. That means you might have to have a change of what? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sometimes you just simply have to change the way you think. Mm. Praise the Lord. Turn with me Philippians chapter 2. And we're trying to we're trying to get to a close. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 5. 
I, I want us to make sure that we're hearing all these things today. It says, Dear friends, you have always, or you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Let's stop. Work hard? That means what? That means there's a part that I have to play into this. There's something that I've got to do. And this what I have to do is I've got to change. I've got to change my thinking. I've got to change my view. I've got to change my position. I've got to change so I can see the fullness. So here's, here's where we go. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Comma. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Are we seeing this? Are we, are we seeing this? This is, this is a call to holiness. This is a call to holiness. And no, I'm not a holiness preacher. We are not a holiness denomination. I am. We are, we are labeled as non-denominational. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you right now, if the Word of God has to say it, then you best believe that it's going to be preached here. It doesn't matter if we like it or not. But he says the way that you work out your salvation, what does salvation mean? Our deliverance. If we, when we get to the King James Version, it says, work out your deliverance with fear and trembling. So I, I'm reading out of the NLT. It says, it says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results. How do you change things? How do you change things? We're going back into living in a holy lifestyle. Living holy. Living holy. Living holy. Verse 13, it says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Wow. Are we seeing this? He's First, He's telling us to work hard, but then He's telling us God is doing it through us. All He's got to do is, he, you got to put the shovel in your hand. you got to put the shovel in your hand, and guess what He's going to do? He's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the strength to be able to do this. He's going to give you the strength to be able to do this. This is exactly what God has given you the desire and the power to do so. So what did He do? He gave you the inspiration and He gave you the revelation to be able to do it. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. Verse 14. Do everything. Uh-oh. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Pastor James, we could have left this part out here today, couldn't we? No, because this this is this is a part of that reverential fear for God. This is that part. You saw the children of Israel. If you ever go read uh, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, uh, 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 Leviticus, you'll see these people complain about everything. And you know, and it offended God that they complained. When you go to Numbers chapter fourteen, what did He do? Because of your complaining, you shall not inherit the promised land. You shall not inherit the promised land because of your complaint. Let me get back on here because I don't want to get too much on a tangent. He said, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Here we go again. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. 
we live in a small town of Rocky Point, North Carolina, in the country, country with a K, not really, but you don't have to go far even here to see evil. You don't have to go far out your door. I don't even have to go far out my neighborhood to see evil, to see uh, people being spiteful. And I'm not coming against people in general, but what I'm saying is, is, is our job to be salt and light because God has called us to that. So in closing today, oh, this is the part where everybody was waiting for. So in closing today, we are at the crossroads of making a conscious decision of how we must view God's commandments of living in holiness and the fear of God. So now your perspective has been shifted today. We've been told, so now we become accountable. We can all be honest and say that we have failed at this, haven't we? We've all failed at this. I know I have. Man, I'm going to put up both hands. And if God was to bless me with a third hand, it would be up right now too. Did you just laugh back there? <laughs> but we can all be honest and confess that we failed at this. But within this confession, we are also stating that we have wasted the grace of God. Wow, Pastor, man, you just really hitting home here today. You just coming from all angles. But it's true. Paul stated it to the church of Corinth in the urgency of not wasting such a great gift. He said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I believe it is in verse 1. He said that to not waste such a great gift that's been given you. When you go to the word gift, it's the word charis. But charis is also the same word as grace. Why would we waste God's grace when we already read in the book of Philippians that He He would what? Where, where, where did we read that? That He will give you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So, so when we have failed to operate in this, then what have we done? We have wasted God's grace. Wow. We have, we have threw it out. But let me continue here because it, it gets better, I promise you. As we have spoken about in almost every series we've preached this year, the grace of God is not, it is, but it's not just the forgiveness of sin, but it is such a great, great divine power of God Himself. Follow me with to Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 10, and we'll be closing on this. And it said, and may God give. What is give again? It's a gift. It's given to you. Give you more and more what? Grace. Give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your what? And your knowledge of God. What was the knowledge is? What's the beginning of knowledge? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. It is that same word as hegios. To walk in holiness. Uh, uh, then the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord by His divine power. So what Peter just did here was he just defined what grace is. He just defined what grace is and he called it by His divine power. His, his grace is His divine power. It is His empowerment. God has given us everything we need for living a what? 
a godly life. So He's given, he's given us His grace. This is what He's given us that empowers us to be able to do what truth demands. What is truth? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He's given us in the empowerment to do everything that Jesus has spoken to us. We have received all, again, received as giving, a gift. We have received this grace by coming to what? To know Him. By becoming what? Becoming intimate with Him. Becoming intimate with Him. The one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. Watch this. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given, we see, given again. When I give you something, when I give you something for your birthday, when you get a gift for your birthday, it wasn't anything that you did to deserve it. It was an honorable something that I'm giving that I'm presenting to you. Listen to this now. And He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that what? Enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Wow. There's so much in this scripture that just becomes uh, unpackful. But I'm going to let everybody sit here and do their homework on this. Verse 5. It said, in view of all of this, what is the... Verse 5. Do I have the slide? I'm sorry. It's taking a little bit for it to translate on the screen. It says, but in view of all of this, in view... Did we not talk about changing our view? Changing our perspective? Because position changes our perspective. When I took the picture of those curtains... I took them from this side. And then the second picture, I took from the middle. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, when we're in the middle, we're going to see the fullness. We're going to see the fullness of what God has for this. Verse 5, continue with me. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Here we go. We're, we're talking about this holiness that God's called us to now. With a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. And with knowledge uh, with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly inflection with love for everyone. The more, Listen to this. The more you grow like this, we not see this as a process to grow as a process the more you grow like this the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ the more that you operate in this the more that you're practicing the fear of God the more proficient that you come and living in the hagios in the living in holiness verse 9 but those who fail to develop in this way or short-sighted or blind. What does it mean to be short-sighted? Excuse me. To not be able to see clearly. They saw the curtain from one perspective, but they didn't change their point of view. So what they did was they, in their mind they have a concept 
that what I just saw was absolute truth. But absolute truth means you've got to be in the center. You've got to be looking at it from the center. In other words, you've got to be looking at it from the focus point. We make it our aim to please Him. I'm closing here shortly. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those who God has called and chosen. Do these things, do these things, and you will never fall away. Amen. Let the scripture in this message hit home with you today as we move from glory to glory to glory to glory. Let me pray with you today. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You today. Lord, we thank You for Your love, Your mercy, and Your kindness. Lord, we thank You, Lord, as we sit here today. Lord, we're at the crossroads, Lord, right now. We're at the crossroads, Lord, and we're going to have to make a decision, Lord, right now today. Are we going to turn left? Are we going to turn right? Or are we going to continue on this same path, Lord, that we've been following? Lord, and if we're walking in the right manner, Lord, then we're going to continue on the same path that You've called us to. But Lord, the reality, Lord, is at this crossroads, Lord, we're going to have to make a choice. And this choice has got to be based off of, Lord, the conviction that You're bringing to us, Lord, right now. Lord, let us not part ways, Lord, here today without making the right decision. Lord, as we spoke about last week, Lord, has we considered the cost? Have we counted the cost that is going to cost us to be a disciple? Lord, and as we adjust our sights today, as we, as we uh, change our focal point, as we begin to zoom in, as we begin to focus around, Lord, this, this very decision, Lord, today, Lord, are we going to walk in Hagios? Are we going to walk, Lord, in what you've called us to? Because, Lord, you said in your word, Lord, that this is, this is what pleases you. So, Lord, we don't want to leave here today, Lord, with just being inspired. But, Lord, we want to leave here, Lord, with the inspiration and the revelation, Lord, that will cause us to be changed, Lord, into your likeness and into your image. We thank you, Lord, today, Lord. Those that, Lord, those that may be here today, Lord, 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 those that may be viewing us online, Lord, Lord, maybe they don't know you. Maybe they've backslid on you, but Lord, you're calling them home today, Lord. And there's not a magical prayer, Lord, that we pray with them other than than, than just just repent of your sins and turn to God. Walk in everything that He's called you to. Lord, bless us as we part ways, Lord, here today. And we praise you and glorify you. We honor you in the name of Jesus. And before you end our recording here today, baby, before you hit that end record button, hopefully you hadn't. But those of you that want to give, those of you that want to begin to tithe, maybe there's somebody that, that the Lord's speaking to, to, to help to be a part of this ministry. I'm going to leave the link in, 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 in the description below, whether it's in the podcast or whether it's in our YouTube. And we're going to give you an opportunity to sow into this ministry. If God has been blessing you with this, we're going to continue on with this, but we're going to be moving into a building soon. And we're going to take this message even further. And it takes money to do ministry. But even more than that, if God is laying it on your heart to do so, we're not begging you. We're just asking you to be obedient. We love you. 
God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.